Hello everyone, my name is Jacob Murren and you're tuning in to the first episode of Sports Power Talk Overtime brought to you by 88.1 WZIP. Joining me today is Nate Du, mixed martial artist. He was born in Cleveland but raised in Buffalo. He is a young welterweight at 24 years old and perhaps most importantly, he now calls himself a Dana White's Contender Series alum. Ladies and gentlemen, joining me is the one and only King Solomon, the Black Dragon Renfro. Thanks for coming on today, Solomon. Uh, thanks a million for having me, brother. Thanks a million. All right. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on today. And I would be remiss if I didn't ask this question right off the bat. You were born in Cleveland. You moved to Rochester, and now you represent Buffalo. You're moving all over the place. What professional sports teams do you root for? <laughs> um, I represent Cleveland, too. <laughs> okay. I represent, I represent everywhere I lived at, man. And now I actually live in New York. Um, like New York, New York. Uh, um, but uh, the team I represent, I like the Cleveland Browns. And I like the Buffalo Bills. All right. That's what we like to hear. That's what we like to hear. We're very passionate about Brownies here. And, uh, you know, I think, think like Browns and Bills fans all, also have a nice connection. They were bad for a while. Now they're starting to get good. So I appreciate that. Yeah. 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 For sure. All right. Uh, now let's really dive into your origin story. I'm always inspired by fighters and their origin story, how they got into mixed martial arts. Every story is unique and sometimes inspiring. What brought you into the mixed martial arts landscape? Or in other words, how did you open the door to your first gym and decide that this was going to be what you revolve your life around? Um, honestly, when I was younger as a kid, my daddy used to do martial arts and I was kind of just born into combat sports. Um, my first memory is like of a boxing glove. I used to go to the gym a lot as a little kid. And the first thing I like when I look at my memory, the first actual memory that I have in my head is like of a boxing glove. The first memory that I have in my mind, man, it's crazy. So uh, at, at a young age, my dad got started training me up, you know, a little bit, uh, started teaching me some moves. And then uh, I got into boxing at about six. That's what I like really like start to remember, you know, like so about six years old. Um, maybe a little bit after, like when I first turned six, but no older than six, seven at the most. But I think I'm pretty sure I was six. Um, I remember putting on some boxing gloves and uh, just training. Like that's when I first remember training. I was in the gym and stuff before that. I know I was because I have like a bunch of random memories. Like you know, you're a kid, you don't remember much, but you kind of remember where you were, you know. Right. And the things that stick out the most to me is like being in the gym. Um, so I know I was around it, and also because my dad did it, and a lot of his friends trained, you know. So. Um, I was kind of just born into it, but I felt I fell in love with it um, at around six years old. Just getting better at something, and you know, knowing that there's something to get better at, feeling like there's like a purpose. You know, it just all made sense for me. Um, so I I guess I was kind of born into it. Uh, I boxed from about six to twelve, like very often, and then uh, when I turned about ten, though, I started playing football, and. Uh, I got really good at football. And so once I got to high school, um, I stopped fighting. Like I stopped boxing. I stopped, well, middle school, I stopped boxing. High school, I stopped fighting completely. Um, and I just focused on football. I, I was in Buffalo. We went to Canisius High School. It was like a top 30 in a 30 school in the nation. So it was pretty good, you know. Um, but as I was playing football, I just remember thinking to myself a lot of times, whenever we lost games or something bad happened, I'd be like, man, this wasn't my fault. Like, I did my best, you know? Like, I hate depending on other people and losing, you know? At the same time, there's that camaraderie thing, you know? But we didn't lose often, but when we did lose, it was never because of me, you know? And also, I hurt my leg playing football, 
um, someone missed a block and I got hit really bad and like missed the block bad. And I remember being so angry at like the fact that I had to depend on somebody else to protect me, you know? Yeah. And I didn't like that feeling. So it kind of drove me back to uh, combat sports slowly but surely. I started wrestling like the end of my sophomore year in high school. And then uh, I wrestled my junior and senior year uh, in high school. And then uh, after senior year, you know, I, I, I didn't, I knew I didn't want to play football in college. I just, I just knew. And I wanted to fight. I wanted to go back to fighting. I remember telling my teammates, like, yo, I'm going to go boxing. I'm going to box. And that's what I was going to do, just go box. And then in Buffalo, there weren't any really great boxing gyms, like, that I could just go to and train at and know that I can, I can find a pro career in a way, you know? Mm-hmm. But there was an MMA gym. And it wasn't like I could, like, it was known for putting out pros or anything like that, because it definitely wasn't. But it was an MMA gym, and there were some pro fighters there. You know, and I, I, all I knew about it was like, if you can go pro, you can eventually get to UFC. So I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to do this then. And then I was thinking to myself at the same time, I was like, I can't really call myself the best fighter in the world if I'm only boxing, you know, because then someone could take me down and beat me up. Because I wrestled in high school, so I know, you know, I know what can happen to a boxer. You know, you can take him down, beat him up, and then it's pretty much over. So it, it pushed me more towards MMA. Um, I watched MMA as a child uh, quite a bit. Uh, my father was into it a lot, you know, and I got into it. I fell in love with it during the GSP era and the Anderson Silva era. Um, so it was always, like, on my mind, but it didn't really get a heart until after I wrestled in high school, and I realized I was pretty good at that. And I was like, you know, I, I can mix it all up, and why not? So I hopped, in, I hopped into a gym, and I guess the rest is all scripture. Yeah, so you mentioned GSP and Anderson Silva. Would you consider those guys your idols? Uh. Nah, I, I wouldn't, well, I mean, I, I, yeah, yeah, I guess you could say idols. Like, I did look up to them in a way. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be champion like them, but at the same time, in my mind, from the jump, I wanted to be better than them, you know? So I, I wish I, you know, got to the point where I would be able to fight both of them. Um, That that would have been, like, a dream come true. <laughs> yeah. yeah, aspirations yeah, are high, for sure. Much older than me, so it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, so... This term, the Renfro era, is something that you have created and you publicize on social media and also encourage fans to follow as well. What does the Renfro era mean to you? Uh, the Renfro era to me is uh, me taking over the UFC uh, point blank period. You know, I feel like they have an honest to see the whole package like myself. Um, I, can, I can do everything. And even in my last fight, I didn't really show everything that I could do, which I'm kind of mad at myself. But... You know, I feel like I'm I'm a whole package. I'm a whole new era of fighter that they haven't seen yet. You know, I'm I'm a little bit of everything that they feel like the people love. You know, I can wrestle. I can throw a million punches if I need to. I can also throw great kicks. I speak well, speak very well. You know, I got the swagger. I got the look. I'm a young African-American kid, you know, that comes from nothing. I'm the American dream. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, with all those things being behind me, this is going to be the run for era. The same way, you know, uh, I feel like, McGregor had his time, you know, and John Jones had his time, and Silva and GSP had their time, and the champion before him, you know, like BJ Penn had his time. It's, it's, it's about to be my time very soon. I know that. Yeah, I love the, the self-confidence, and you're even motivating me. I'm sure you're motivating listeners as well. Everybody should hop on the Renfro era because I think you're going to make waves in the UFC. For sure. One, one billion percent. Yeah, all right. Well, let's get into the actual Dana White's Contender Series appearance. First off, what was it like being in Las Vegas, competing the Apex, and showing what you have to offer to Dana White and the matchmakers? 
Um, it was pretty dope, man. It was, it was pretty dope. It was like a dream come true in a way. You know, I was there. I remember after weigh-ins, uh, like, you know, when it's fight week and you train for the fight, you're just focused on getting there, getting there, getting there. And then when it's time to make weight, you just focus on making weight, you know. But after weigh-ins, I went back in my room, I took that shower, and I, like, almost, not almost, I did. I, like, I started, like, crying, man, because I was, like, so happy to finally, you know, be here. The wake-up was done, I could actually focus on the fight, and that's, that's what I love to do is fight. So, you know, it, it was definitely, um, it was definitely a great moment in my life. It definitely was. I feel like ruined in a way, but not 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 so much because everyone still got to see what I had to offer, um, some of what I had to offer. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it had its highs and lows, but it was definitely a big big moment in my life, and I'm I'm very grateful for the experience. Yeah, like you said, a dream come true, definitely. Uh, what were you? So you said you you were even crying in a way. What were you feeling going into the fight? Were you more nervous competing for the UFC contract, or were you more? excited to show everyone what you got uh i was more excited to just win win the fight and get into the ufc i wasn't really like nervous i do a good job of like staying calm and like i smell roses before the fights and stuff and it just helps me stay calm literally and, and if you were would have been back to it might actually have pictures of me i was actually like taking a nap like let's say about 40 minutes before i had to actually fight because they woke me up and told me I had to start warming up. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. So when other contender series fights were happening, you were in the back sleeping. I was, yeah, I was like, I actually got up like right when the first fight was happening. Um, I was like, started okay. waking up and you know stretching and stuff. But yeah, I, I was, I was backstage sleeping. <laughs> Everybody else was like warming up, moving around, and I'm laying down while I was just sleeping on a pillow on a blanket. Nice. So, yeah, we we kind of heard about this story of you smelling roses um, during the the broadcast. Can you? Explain that a little bit of you smelling roses before the fight. Yeah. Um, I had, I had a mentor of mine. Cause I used to be afraid of thunderstorms, like the rain and just thunder. I don't know. It used to just make my heart beat to the roof. I don't know what it was, man. But uh, she had a rose garden outside. And um, one day she took me out in the rain because I was, like, crying. And, you know, she took me out and she was like, you know, there's nothing to be afraid of out here. And she brought me to the rose garden. And, and, and when it's raining, you know, and you're right by a, a bunch of flowers it, and it's like the soil fresh you can really smell it you know um and i'll never forget the scent and there were so many roses and it was also windy as well and i never forget the scent and then like it just brought me this calm all of a sudden and i wasn't afraid of the storm anymore actually ever since then i loved the rain and thunder like i, I love the storms so like, i can smell the flowers more it's crazy so um Ever since then, you know, whenever I had like a moment where I was like I'm really afraid, I would try to always, you know, smell some roses and calm down. And and that's it. And now, like, you know, leading up to these fights, I'm I'm as calm as can be, really. I told you like I'm like taking a nap and stuff back there. I'm good. It just really taught me how to stay calm in these high pressure situations. Cause I at that moment in my life, you know, what I was dealing with as a kid mentally and stuff, like it felt like a high pressure situation. That's probably why I was afraid of the storms, you know, it just triggered some things for me. Yeah, and that's so. incredible, incredibly important to stay calm, especially in that moment of fighting on the Contender Series. Did you have any conversations with Dana before the fight? No, not at all. None? Not okay. None. All right, once again, talking with Solomon Renfro. Going into the actual fight, I actually want to break this down. So you fought Johnny Parsons at welterweight, and the result of the fight was a split decision in favor of Parsons. Now, I know the answer, but I want to hear you talk about it do you agree with this decision um no i mean i i feel like i won the fight 
Um, only thing I can say that, like, you know, I, I can say that I, I wish I did better with myself was, um, you know, go forward a little bit more in those last few rounds. But honestly, I feel like I won the fight. I didn't even show everything I had to offer. Like, I, after the first round, I thought I broke, I thought I broke my thumb. Um, I thought I broke my left thumb. So I wasn't really throwing as much as my left hand if you watch it. And my, and I wasn't shooting actual takedowns. I was kind of like grabbing. But I wasn't really shooting good takedowns. And when we were on the ground and I had them down, I, something just happened weird. And I, I feel like I broke my thumb. Well, actually, before that, I hit him. I hit him with like a weird hook. I, I had a flurry and I'm throwing some weird punches, you know. And I hit him there and it started hurting. And then when we were on the ground, I was like reaching for him. And then I just felt like a, a bull. Like it just felt horrible. When I went back to my corner in the second round, I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, yo, if I fail this, like, this has to be bad, you know? Because in a fight, you, you got adrenaline pumping, you don't really feel anything. You know what I'm saying? You don't feel much. Like, yeah, it's, you know, some shots hurt, but not, like, not really. Because you got so much adrenaline pumping. I don't, know if I don't know if you ever played football, but anyone out there that played football, you know what I'm talking about. You take a big hit, you just kind of get up and shake it off like it's nothing. And if you take a hit and you, you get hurt, you know that was a hit, you know? So I knew, I was like, something's really wrong with my hand, you know? And that was going into the second round. So coming out from there, um, I started throwing just a lot of more straight right hands. And I wasn't shooting. I wasn't coming forward as much anymore. And honestly, in my way, I felt like I was not necessarily shelling up, but shelling up compared to what I can really do because of my hand. Now, once I realized it was just my thumb, I was still trying to throw my jab. But it wasn't like I was sticking with it like I was in the first round. I wasn't really stepping forward, you know? Um, I wasn't, like, staying on it and, like, stepping, you know, stepping through with my shot. I was kind of just touch, touch, touching, touching. I was landing. Like, I was hitting, though. I wasn't just touching, but I wasn't sticking like I normally do. You know, I normally I get my feet playing. I stick my shots. You're not, there's no way you're sticking your shots if you're walking backwards. I know that. So, it, I don't know. I just started fighting a little different after that. Um, he kept coming forward. But, I mean, I still feel like I, I, I outstruck him. And then going into the third round, I'm like thinking to myself, okay, like I, now I know my hand's not not broken, you know, because I'm I throwing it. So I'm like, all right, now I just got to throw. I just got to throw more punches and try to outstrike him. That's what I'm thinking in my mind. As long as I hit him more than he hits me, I'm going to win this round. And that's what I thought I did. But uh, I guess the judges saw otherwise. So, I mean, we know I did it. We saw the stats. Yes, and I have them pulled up right here. So significant strikes by round. In the first round, you outstruck him 43 to 15. And you put him down twice. I mean, the fight could have been called, um, but I, I guess it was a good decision to keep it going. And then round number two, you outstruck him 19 to 17, and you also scored a takedown with a minute left. And then in round three, you also outstruck him 36 to 19. So wide margins in round one and two, throw the takedown into round two. I mean, you can argue that you won all three rounds, for, but at least two. At least two. Right. At least two. And then, and then that first round, man, I took him down also. People forget that. I took him down at the end of the first round. I knocked him down twice, and then I took him down at, at, at the end of the first. Like, that's when I felt my thumb. But at the same time, you know, I, so I got two knockdowns and a takedown in the first round. How is that not guaranteed a 10-8? But mm -hmm. whatever. You know, it is what it is. Now all I can do is go forward and knock, knock everybody else out. That's it. There's no room for error. I don't care if my hand is hurting. I'm going to throw everything. And that's what, another thing I'm mad at myself about. I have great kicks, man. Great elbows, great knees. I didn't use my, the rest of stuff in my arsenal so much because I came in almost, you know, thinking too much about one game plan in a way. You talked about when you get hit, it's either the adrenaline's going and you shake it off or you can realize, oh, I got hit. Did Parsons throw anything at you that you were like, oh, I actually got hit and you were in trouble? Or was it more so 
power wasn't there, the adrenaline was going, and you just shook it off and kept on going. Yeah, every time that he hit me when I shook it off, there was uh, one right hand that he threw. I remember, like, you know, not like I'm like, I'm hurt, but I was like, I never get hit square like that, like almost ever. Like, I, I have really good head movement, so I really don't ever get hit like square when I feel it. There was at one point, I think it was the second round, he came forward with like a one, two. It touched me with like the jab, but really touched me with the right hand. I was like, I hit, all right, you better wake up, bro. You know, like, yeah, I'm moving faster. Did his kicks but, affect yeah. you at all? I know he was throwing a lot of body kicks, some down yeah, on the legs, but I, did that I, affect I, you at all going through the fight? No, I mean, my training partners, I train with Lyman Good and uh, Shane Burgos, and I'm also in like the Jersey area, so we have tons of great Muay Thai fighters out here. So I'm really used to taking these, those type of shots, like to be honest. You know, those guys are savages. Um, Lyman Good has some of the best kicks I've ever seen in my life. That dude kicks you in the in the rib and it's over. Actually, one time Shane kicked me in the rib, bro, and it was hurt for like six months after <laughs> after that. So honestly, no, I was shaking those off. Um, he but he threw some good ones. He had some good timing. Um, I, if I had to give him credit, I like the way he was like switching his stance a little bit, trying to keep me off balance. But to be real, if I was going forward, he would have never had room to kick. But I was going too much backwards, and you know it is what it is. It's the game we play. You just gotta be better next time. You know, like I said, I was I thought my hand was hurt, so that's a big part of the reason why I was backing up. So have you gone back to watch the fight at all? And if so, how many times, whether it's to critique your performance, uh, develop into yeah. a better fighter? Yeah, as soon as I got home, I watched the fight. As soon as I got back to the hotel room, I started watching the fight. I watched it like five times. I was like, man, like I was really depressed at first, you know? And then uh, I watched it again the next day, and I watched it again the next day. I actually watched it every day. <laughs> I'm actually not thinking about it. I actually watched it every day. It's been a week since then, and, uh, you know, the more I watch it, I, I'm, I'm critiquing myself more and more and figuring out, you know, what I could have done better. Um, but when I originally watched it, my first thought was, okay, you know, I, I was going backwards a lot. And maybe that's why they said that. But then I watched it again, and I was like, yeah. ain't no way, man. You know, like. You only have so, to watch about two and a half minutes into the first round to see what you did. Yeah. And then after that, ever since that, I, I skipped the first round. Um, right. I, I just watch the second and the third now because I know for sure I dominated that first round. So I just watch the second and the third and like you know try and get better from there. And I have, but also like I said, I have to take into consideration you know what was going on with me, and also not to mention, bro, um, I spit my tooth out in that fight. A lot of people don't know that. Um, but if you go on their coach's page, you see the tooth on the ground. I spit my tooth out and like didn't even show nothing. But the reason my tooth came out, it was already loose. I was sparring with Lyman Good, like I was saying hit me with some great shots, like right down the pipe, my tooth was loose. And uh, it, I talked to a dentist and he was like, listen, man, I'm gonna, I can try to put some glue on it, but my advice to you is not to get hit in the mouth right now. And I'm like, well, I can't do that, you know? Right, you're preparing <laughs> the biggest fight. fight of your career. You can't just uh, exactly. stall it out. So, so uh, I go to the fight and, you know, I got hit with some shots and I, it came out. Like, so for everyone talking about how tough this guy is, yeah, he was tough. He was, he was very tough, but, man, I pretty much fought him what I thought I had, like, one hand. Well, not really one hand, but, like, my thumb. I thought my thumb was broken. Um, and I spit my tooth out. And no one even knows that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you won't even know if you, until you watch the fight back. I don't even remember what round it was, but I know I spit it out. Like, and Johnny saw it. Like, we, like, made eye contact when I spit it out. And I think that almost even gave him a little more courage, you know, to keep coming forward. Were you surprised that your the shots you landed in the first round didn't finish it off? I know Parsons is tough, and he was able to outlast it, but, man, I thought it was going to be called there. I thought it was going to be called, too, man. I hit him with some pretty clean shots, too. 
Um, especially that, that right hand, when he threw that body kick and I fired back with the right hand, I drilled that off camp to do that. And uh, it hit perfect. Like it was like right on the temple, right above the ear. Um, and, you know, I thought, I thought it was going to be it. And the second round, I hit with that jab, you know, that step forward jab, I, like I hit in the fight, the previous fight. And he fell down and collapsed like that. Hey, he was tough, man. He, he got back up. Um, yeah, dude was, dude was tough. Do you, so the judges all agreed that you won the first round and Parsons won the third round. Do you wish you would have gone after the finish more than you already did in the first or have been more aggressive on the ground in the second or pushed more in the third? Is there anything you wish you would have done differently? I know you've kind of talked about this, but anything yeah. specific? Um, in the first, no, I feel like that was fine. In the in the second, considering my hand, I know what I was doing. So I can't really say anything except for the, on that takedown. I wish I opened up more and grounded pounded. it. Now, Johnny was doing a good job of, like, you know, it's a fight, so you got to know how to conserve your energy and stuff. When I was on top, I didn't want to waste it all for that third. I knew I was up. I felt like I was up. I think I got a takedown. And I wanted, I wanted to get more more space and start grounding pounding more, bring some big shots, you know, to really solidify the round. But if you watch, like, he grabs my neck. He, he does some hand fighting stuff. He does some pretty good stuff down there. But I got to I gotta just explode out and the huge elbows next time, you know? That, that's the biggest thing I can say in the second round. And in the third, I wish I just came forward more. You know, I, I, I know I outstruck him. I know I hit him with, with better shots, in my opinion, and more shots. Um, but I, I didn't come – I wasn't coming forward, and it, it doesn't look good, I guess, in the judge's eyes. So I, I just can't be backing up like that. Like, I spent my tooth out. I had one hand from what I thought, you know, and what I was feeling. Yeah. I was feeling, like, crazy pain, like, in my head. And you, no one knows. Like, I didn't show a peep. I didn't show nothing about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so you said so in the yeah. third round you wish you would have been more aggressive coming forward more, but yet you still outstrike him 36 to 19. Do you just think it was that aggressiveness of him kind of walking you back that kind of gave him that third round? Yeah, it, it was, I think I think the judges just saw him coming forward, I guess, and throwing big kicks. And uh, you know, he came up with that flying knee. Um he you know, he was throwing he was throwing some big kicks. He landed like two big kicks. Um but besides that, and he landed two big body kicks and maybe one good leg kick. But besides that, nothing was really landed. Um, what were your like, thoughts after he after he threw that flying knee to begin the third round? Were you kind of shocked by that? Yeah, because I thought we were gonna touch gloves, right? For a second, you know what I mean. And, and all the whole week that I saw him, every time I saw the guy, he was like putting his fist out, trying to like fist bump me. But it's it's out of, it's out of it's out of you know sport. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's it. Like I just want to prove that I'm a better competitor than you. That's just how I was raised. Isn't you know, it's nothing personal to them. It's just, it's just how I, it's just me. It's just how I am. Um, but you know, I was being cordial, and I was like, you know, fist bumping him every time I saw him, right? And then when it was time to fight, we never fist bumped at all. <laughs> you know, I, I get it, I get it. You know, it's a fight, so I'm not like, oh, we didn't fist bump, blah, but at the same time, I was just, that just surprised me. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I was surprised by that. <laughs> like every time I saw him outside, he fist bumped. Even at the weigh-ins, he fist bumped. You know, and you can see, like, I didn't really want to, but I did it. <laughs> like, you watch it. His hands out there for a second, and I, I finally do it. And then uh, in the fight, there's no fist bump whatsoever. So, yeah, I mean, I guess it surprised me a little bit, but it didn't land. Like, mm-hmm. it didn't do anything. It didn't do anything. Like, nothing did anything. Like, like I said, I feel like his best shot that he hit me with was that jab and that cross that came down the middle. I, and I leaned back on the cage. I felt that when I was like, oh, okay, you know, be alert. But besides that, I was, I was more than fine. I'm more than fine right now. I feel like I feel like most people in, the, in those situations that I was in with my hand and my tooth, they would have tried to like ask the doctors, talk to the ref, you know, yeah. looking for some type of breather. 
I didn't do that. Like, I fought like a warrior through and through. I didn't complain not one bit. I didn't say nothing about my tooth. I could have. You think you think in a fight you couldn't tell the ref, like, yo, my tooth came out. Or, like, you know what I'm saying? Between rounds, like, I could have been like, yo, my, my thumb is really hurting right now. Like, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it shows your resilience to keep on going through the fight, though, with, with those injuries and with the pain um, amounting exactly. through the, the fight. Yeah, and that, that's what I was thinking, too, you know. As much as they were praising him, talking about how tough he is, I'm like, dude, that's crazy. <laughs> Once again, I'm talking to Solomon the Black Dragon Renfro. So, Paul Felder, the Irish Dragon on commentary, thought you oh, won. Yeah. But also, in the second round, he was talking about how you could have been more active um, in the second round on the ground. Do you think it was odd that... Dana White didn't mention you when giving his decision to sign Johnny Parsons. You know, sometimes he'll talk about the opposing fighter saying, oh, he fought a really tough guy or give credit to the loser in that scenario. Guys like Paul Felder are even talking about how you probably won. Do you think that was odd? Um, I mean, yeah, I guess like my first reaction was a little weird to me, but to be honest, like, honestly, I'm I'm like... <laughs> He gave Johnny Parsons the contract because he survived. You know what I mean? He survived. He thought he was a tough guy, and he might have felt bad, or maybe someone, maybe one of the other guys know him. I don't know. He's from Vegas, right? And, uh, you know, he gave him the contract just because he survived. His kids were there, and that's it. You know, if you could survive, and, and, and here's honestly how I feel, too. If you could survive Solomon Renfro, you deserve to be in the UFC. Did he win the fight? No. But do I think he deserves a contract for surviving? Yeah. I, I'll give him a contract for surviving, but do I think he won? No. I think, if anything, we should have both got a contract, you know? These contracts have been all over the place. In week one, I believe, Dana White even gave it to a person who had lost the contract. He's even given it to people who haven't made weight or given second chances. Yeah. So yeah, I, know. I know that. <laughs> That's, honestly, when I was leaving, I, I, I was still watching the show, like, saying, like, you know, is he going to give me a contract still? Because I was at high hopes. I was like, I fought great. Yeah. You know, I performed. My hand was hurt. I spit my tooth out. You know, I got... You could uh, certainly make the argument that you deserved a contract that night as well. Yeah, I, I thought I thought so, too. But no. But no. And, and, and at least, you know, if you're not to give me a contract, at least give me the win. You know, don't put a loss in my record. Yeah, that uh, bothers you? Uh, that yeah, the time you said eight and two, I'm like I'm like cringing. Like I can't even <laughs> crazy, man. I don't even want to say that. I in my mind I'm like eight one and one. I'll call that no contest before I say that call it loss. Like, really. But at the same time, you know, I can somewhat see why a judge would say that. Kinda. I don't know, man. Honestly, I think maybe I'm just being really nice right now. I, I believe I won the fight. Um Yeah, I, I think we can that, both see how judges would good. say that. But not two out of three judges is kind of what we're getting at. Right, exactly. And I, I, I believe I won the fight. I believe I'm a better fighter. I believe if we fought again, I'll finish him in under two rounds, uh, within two rounds, 100%. And um, I believe he deserves to be in the UFC. He was tough. He kept, he kept coming forward, you know. And I respect that. You know, the guy has kids and stuff. You know, I, I, I respect every fighter, you know. I don't have any disrespect for anybody, especially if you're going to stand in there with me. Like... He deserved to be in the UFC because he survived. But that's about it. I won that fight, and I deserve to be in the UFC more than he does. So let's spin it the other way. So if you would have gotten the split decision victory, do you think that you would have done enough in the fight to earn the contract? Yes, but I feel like 
they might not have given given it to me because I was such a huge favorite, maybe. And from what I can tell, I don't even know, man. Honestly, yes. Yes, I feel like I do. I can't even sit here and say I don't. I feel like I do. The guy's never been knocked out before, you know? Like, I, I outstruck him by, a, like, two to one almost. And uh, it was a great performance. Like, how could you not want to give a kid like me me a shot? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. That I don't understand. You know, I'm 24 years old. I have the charisma. I have the swagger. I, I'm a great fighter. I have all the skills. And I'm only getting better. I don't understand why you wouldn't. So. I, I completely yeah. agree with you. I think you had done enough to get the contract if you were awarded the victory. My only thing that I think Dana could have spun it would be your age, that you are 24. I know you have experience. You are 8-2 and two or 8-1-1, and one, but... I've seen his his critiques in the past. He likes these younger fighters to get more experience or come back on the contender series. Do you understand that? Or are you like, I'm 24, I'm young and hungry, get me in the UFC right away? Because there's other, he had, he just signed this kid, Ian Gary, who's a, who's a watch away from like the UKs or the Ireland or something. He's, he's a year younger than me. He was 7 and 0, you know, and his competition wasn't nearly as good as the competition that I was beating on. And then, you know, he just signed another kid, like, on on uh, Contender Series. Uh, I forgot what class he in. Um, he was, like, 22 years old. He signed younger people. So, yeah, I think I think I deserve to be in the UFC. I can kind of get what he's saying, but I'm not saying North Cup, bro. The kid was, like, 19, 20 years old. You know, John Jones won the belt at 23 years old. I feel like I could do that. I feel like I, I could have done that, you know. if I Had I been given the same opportunity at a younger age, I feel like I could have done that. I feel like the only reason I'm not, you know, at that level yet, because I'm I'm just now starting to train at a like at a high level gym. You know, within the past two years, a lot yeah. of people know that I was training in like a pretty much, you know, at the time they were like an amateur style gym. They had some pros there, but not nearly with the level that I'm on right now. Like it was, it's like day and night the difference. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, hundred percent. I, I feel like I should be signed hundred percent regardless of me being 24. There's people younger than me that he has signed on the roster. There's a bunch of females younger than me that he has signed on the roster. He's signing people from the UK in my weight class that younger than me that he has signed on the roster. So I don't understand that. But what I do know is that, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna get the UFC very soon here. Um and when I get there, you'll know it, the whole world's gonna know it and I'm gonna be dominant. Period. I, I love the the confidence definitely. Now, after the fight, were there any conversations with Dana or anyone else from the UFC after the fight, whether that be Dana White himself, the matchmakers, even Paul Felder, media guys, anything like that? Uh, nah. Uh, I sent I sent Dana White. Uh, I had my manager send Dana White just a little short short message for me, you know, saying pretty much thank you for the opportunity. And uh, you know, he just got back saying like, you know, tell Solomon. He just got back saying, uh, tell Solomon. So he's a stud. He'll be back. He's young and something along those lines. Um, yeah, I mean that—that's about it. Well, d- did that give you confidence? Was that nice to hear from the boss? That—that that was definitely nice to hear. Um, you know, because it, it could always be worse. I saw that. You know, some people went out there before, and um, they won their fights. And Dana Dana White literally said, "This guy's not UFC caliber." So he didn't say that. You know, he didn't like talk down on my name. You know what I'm saying? So he he showed. I guess, like, he didn't disrespect me whatsoever. Yeah, I guess he just didn't say anything about, you know, my skill set or anything like that, which is, like, upsetting in a way, but he didn't disrespect me either. So he just was nonchalant about it. 
but 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 I I take it in a way like it's almost like he knows I'm gonna be in the UFC. He he sees a talent like me and he's like he'll be back. You know? 100%. Yeah. Yeah, and that's encouraging. And you know these contender series just provide so many opportunities for guys like you to come in there. Even a second time, I've seen guys come in there a third time even to show what they got. Right. I don't really want to go back on the show to be honest. The contender series. I feel like I should be signed in the first quarter of 2022. Bold statement there. You don't want a contender series. You want to, do you want a fight one more, maybe two more times and then get signed? Or do you think you should just be signed right away? Um, I'm going to fight as much as I got to fight until I get signed. I'm actually booking a fight for sometime in December, either, either sometime, either December 7th or December 17th. I'm not sure it was date yet, but I'm going to be knocking somebody out one of those days. And I'm going to go, after I win the fight, I'm going to go on the microphone and, like, you know, scream at Dana and be like, yo, let's go get my opportunity. Come on, bro. I'm, I'm hungry. I'm youngest, but I'm hungry, bro. I'm not, like, out here, like, everybody, the other guys are, like, a lot of these other guys are comfortable. They're older. They got jobs. I have nothing, bro. I literally, like, almost live out of my car at times. Like, all I do is train. I'm starving. I'm not hungry. I'm starving. So I'm going to go fight again because the only way I get paid, the only way I get money in my pocket is through fighting or something to do with fighting. I don't make money any other way whatsoever anymore. You know, I'm not going back to the life I used to live. I'm I'm starving, bro. So I'm going to go fight again, knock somebody out and call my shot. And if they don't give it to me at that point, I'm going to knock somebody out and call my shot. But by the first quarter of 2022, I, I will be in the UFC. And again, the, the self-confidence. I'm not going to sit around and like, what am I? It's life. You know, I'm not going to sit around. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I got robbed. Like, whatever, bro. Like, you lost. Like, okay, it sucks. Am I sad? Yes. I'm sad. I'm angry. I'm, to be honest, more than anything, I'm heartbroken, bro. Like, I'm brokenhearted. More than, like, any relationship, more than any deaths I've had in my life, more than anything else that's, like, I feel like I had and I lost, I'm heartbroken, bro. That's the real truth. But I can't just sit around and do nothing. It's like, that's not how my story is going to end. You know, I'm not doing that. I'm I'm going to be greater than great. I plan on bringing, you know, the GOAT. I thousand percent mean that. I don't, my, my confidence didn't move at all when it comes to that statement. Um, And I will be. So what would the GOAT do? If, like Joe Rogan says, if my life was a movie, what would that guy do right now? That guy wouldn't lay down and just take it. No, I would get up and fight. And I would still make the UFC. And I would go run through everybody and make waves. That's what my movie guy would do. And that's what I'm going to do. They... And that's it. I mean, staying hungry, in your case, starving and active in the sport is very important. And your contender series fight just happened. So you already have talks on upcoming bouts before the end of the year? Yes. All right. Do you, are you worried about your thumb or maybe your teeth at all going into that December bout or you should be okay by then? Man, to be real, I'm not even going to get my teeth fixed until after that December fight because I want to be in the UFC. I don't care. I don't care. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? I, I don't need, honestly, I really feel like I don't need my teeth to go fight. All I care about is fighting and winning and being a dominant champion. You know, if I want to see beautiful women, I'm just going to not open my mouth and I smile. That's about it. I'm a good-looking dude. I don't, I don't need my teeth, bro. And my thumb, I'm going to fill it up. I'm already going to PT. I'm getting checked out. I got it. So what happened with my thumb, it was actually, it, it was popped out of socket. So it was dislocated, had a deep bone bruise, and I sprained it, you know, all at the same time. So that that's a lot going on. That's why I felt so painful because it was out of socket, you know. Um, but it's it's fine. I got to pop back in the socket. Um, I'm icing it every day. I'm sitting my hand in cold buckets of water, and that that's it. And I'm going to go out there and knock something. Like, I'm not going to get out of shape, you know. I'm going to stay in shape. I'm going to eat clean. Um, just heal my hand in the meantime, you know, these times that I'm taking off, 
I'm, I'm healing my hand. I'll still be in the gym, you know, like training, moving around, sweating, but I'm not training for a camp camp until, a, you know, the week after November 6th. So that, that Monday, which would probably be, let's see, um, seven to eighth. So November 8th, I'll start my camp. And sometime between December 7th and December 17th, I'll be knocking somebody out, calling my shot. So you just took your second loss of your career. How do you view losing? I know both of your losses were good losses. I mean, you fought Mike Malott, who is in the UFC now after his contender series win. And of course, Johnny Parsons, who's in the UFC as well. Does it push you down? I know you said you were angry or sad, or does it just motivate you to get better, even with the circumstances of your loss to Parsons? There's no such thing as a good loss, bro. Ain't no loss good. Well, at least against good competitors. It's not like you're losing to guys who are 0 and 10. Yeah, yeah. It was against good competitors. Um, It does give me confidence in a way, though, because Mike Malat, I want that rematch for sure because, you know, he caught me. Um, At the time, everyone knows the story. Uh, I, I was backstage, if you don't know, and I found out one of my close friends had just died. Like, this is 20 minutes before I go walk out and fight. So I walk out there, and I'm like, yo, I just want to get, get out of here. So I wasn't thinking about fight IQ or anything like that. This is MMA. You can't go out there doing that. And I was, so I wasn't the best me at all um, whatsoever. And I was, I dropped him even, you know. Uh, but, you know, credit to him. I threw a kick. He threw, landed the right hand. Like, that's the counter for it. Everyone knows it. And I, I know it. And uh, he caught me with the right hand, set me down. I He went to go follow up. And when I, I thought I was about to dodge, or not thought, I did dodge it. I thought he was going to run past me. But <laughs> I dodged it, and he jumped on my back, and he got me, man. So it is what it is, man. Um, he caught me, but I feel like, you know, he won on, like, it was some, it was a great fight. Um, but he won that fight, you know? But I ain't tapped. And when I, say I'm, when I say I'm ready to die for this, I mean it. A lot of guys say they're ready to die for it, and they'll tap because, you know, they're not, really ready, they're not really about it. Like me, I'll literally die. Like, I don't care. If the worst is going to happen, you wake you up. Like, you know what I mean? But, um... And as far as Johnny Parson goes, and he's in the UFC too. So I'm like, if these two dudes are in the UFC, I could definitely be in the UFC. For sure. Like, one billion percent. I'm better than both of them. On any given day. They just had, they, it just happened to be their day. That's it. It was, definitely wasn't Johnny's day, though. He just, I mean, it was his decision, but it wasn't his day. It wasn't his day. <laughs> it just wasn't my day for that decision. Malai, it was his day. When you, when you get into the UFC, not if, are those two guys that you want to face up against and redeem those losses? For sure. For sure. Like, come on, man. Yes, definitely. <laughs> as soon as I can. Like, and they don't want to smoke. They really don't, um, you know. But, yeah, definitely. I definitely, definitely do want to get that, get, get those losses back. Um, but uh, I feel like Malad's really good. I feel like he's better than Parsons. Um, but, and I feel like he has a high fight IQ. But all that being said, I still know that I'm the better fighter than him. And I'm going to prove that if we get to match up again. If we don't, we don't. I'm not chasing them. But if I can get, if I can get the match up again, just to clean that, clean that up, clean that, or cross them off my resume, you know, because everyone's going to be like, oh, this guy beat him, that guy beat him. I'm going to be the GOAT. I don't want to have no two losses. People talking about, oh, I beat him. He never got me back. Like, so if I can get him back, I'm going to get him back. But do I really care about them? No, because I feel like my career is going to be better than both of theirs. Like, it's, right now, it's not, you know, but it will be. Actually, I feel like right now it is. Their records are that much better than mine. They're just in the UFC. That's it. Like, I'm better than both of them. And my career is going to be better than both of theirs. My legacy is going to be better than both of theirs. So, that's that. Yeah, and I understand that. You know, those two losses will be 
insignificant if you end up redeeming them and beating them. And like you said, you might even be the bigger fighter at the time being. Yeah, not even, not even though might even, I will be 1 billion percent. I I know I will be. I know I'm better than them, and I know I have more than them, and I have what it takes to be everything that I say I am. Not to what it takes, I am everything that I say I am. It's just, it's just taking time to happen, you know? It's not easy. You know, Roy Jones got robbed, you know, and then what happened with his career? Floyd Mayweather, what happened with his career? Even Ali at points in his career, you know? Like it, it, it happens, you know, to to the best. And uh I'm one of the best and this is gonna help make my story even more inspirational for people. And that's it. Yeah, if it wasn't already inspirational as it is. Well, I know this most recent fight was not ideal, or at least the decision wasn't. Uh the best news though, Solomon, is that you're only twenty-four, and I'm sure we will all see you again in the UFC with a contract, whether that is just being signed or going on the contender series again in the Renfro era will be more than upon us. Exactly. I love how you put that, my brother. Thank you very much. We will win. Yes, we will win. And thanks again for joining me, Solomon. I appreciate you taking the time and coming on and showing love to the area that you started off at. Always all love, man. Thank you guys for having me. All right. That was King Solomon, the Black Dragon Renfro. And thank you for tuning in to the first edition of SPT Overtime. Once again, from WZIP, my name is Jake Murren.